Well, good morning. Nice to see you all. Appreciate you zooming in. Just trust the Lord to just bless you as we meet together. I'm going to read from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When I was a wee boy, I used to read that. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't want them. And it could be mean the opposite, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd and I'll not want anything. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare the table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I'll be reading in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the, covering, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. We're about to have a, a week leading up to Easter with joint churches on the, the heart of Jesus. So I thought maybe we should lay some foundations for that this morning, just to help us. In our general conversation, though, we, we often refer to how the heart reflects our behavior. Have you ever said to anybody, oh, come on, have a heart? That usually means that they've been a bit less uh, gracious, perhaps, in their attitude or something. Or you maybe said to somebody, ah, but he's got a good heart. That generally means that maybe all the other things he's like, they're not so good, but you're making excuses for him. Yeah, but he's got a good heart. Then other people say, my, he's big-hearted. He's maybe just a generous giver or someone that's... Uh, well, just generally outgoing to people. And everyone says it's like the hurt that makes us risk the rank. Winston Churchill says, you know, the heart of the problem is the human heart. So it's not unusual for to relate our heart conditions, our behavior. There's even a bigger authority in that. To vindicate it. Jesus himself says, out of the heart of man proceeds evil and adultery and thoughts. Or as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So I want to talk this morning about the heart of Jesus. So we can confidently assume, you know, that we read the heart of Jesus from his actions. And his behavior. Some people tend to think of Jesus as a 
an absent land business. He was glorified and raised and seated in the right hand of God. Well, he was maybe not so interested in the mundane as he was when he walked the streets of Galilee and faced it every day. Now that he's glorified and promoted and, well, maybe we're listening to his thoughts. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. Remember when he washed his disciples' feet, just before that it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given them all pearl unto him, took his cloak off, knelt down, and washed his disciples' feet. He has a heart for you. He has a heart for people. He has a heart for the work of God. And it hasn't changed. The Jesus in heaven is the same Jesus that walked in Galilee. Exactly the same heart. It hasn't changed in his purpose. That's why he says, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Jesus has a heart for the lost. He says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. He demonstrates that heart. And the parable of the, the lost sheep, the 99 that's safely in the fold, he leaves. He's more anxious about the lost one. He goes seeking for them. Anxious till he finds them. You're feeling a bit lost today, but isolated, but out of touch, a bit in your own. Jesus is taking you. He still has a heart for you. He says, seek me, and you'll find me. Just knock, and I'll answer. He's not far from anywhere. The Bible says, even now your mouth. Just a cry away. He like, he's just like the Father. Desires that none of us should be lost. That we all should be saved. And that's the fact it says, it's such a heart for you. He says, he travailed over you. My wee daughter, well, she's not so wee now, she's a 50s, right? It's her birthday today. She was a bit ill yesterday. She thought it could be COVID. Not feeling too good, but I'm going for a test. And we travailed overnight. And this morning we got that wee word. That's all right. The test is negative, and I'm feeling better. Jesus has the same concern for you. Travailed over you. This is he interceded for you. He advocated for you. He was anxious that you should be saved and not lost. He has a heart for you to turn. His very first sermon was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That was his mission. That's why he came. To redeem you and reconcile you back to God. At the very outset of his ministry, he declared his mandate. The elections are coming up soon in uh, May, and we'll be getting bombarded with mandates. Jesus began his ministry with a mandate. Luke 4, it says this, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to reach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. Don't let the world blind you to the truth. Might not be a popular in the world's mindset today. It may be radical, but it remains true. 
It means to Jesus is the truth. I'm come to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach acceptable year of the Lord. Does that not show a heart for all? For the brokenhearted, the bound, the bruised, the hurting, and despair or simply weary of life? Jesus has a heart for you. There's a lovely wee verse in Zephaniah 3 says this. The Lord your God is with you. He will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. Don't doubt it. Incredible as it seems that God should love you. Not only loving you, but has a heart for your well-being. And Jesus has a heart for children. When the children and the parents wanted to bring the kids to Jesus and bless them, they'd say, well, shoot them away. Get away, get away. He's too busy. Too busy. Don't bother them. But Jesus said, suffer them. Suffer them to come to me. Not only that, but he took time. Laid his hands on them and blessed them. Jesus has always has time to be interrupted. Jesus has a heart for the hurting. He could not, I cannot pass by a situation of need and refuse a cry for the help. The heart for the untouchables. One day entering a village with 10 lepers, crying out to him from the social distance. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They didn't ignore them. He didn't say, who are you? He said, go to the priest. Show yourself. That was something said, go and get confirmation that you're healed. That required the response of faith. It's as they went in obedience, they were healed. But only one came back and thanked him. It's unfortunate always that miracles don't always bring faith. People get short memories. I remember there's a family in Labbert, uh, and the wife had thrombosis in the leg, both legs, and it was swollen back. Pastor came in to visit the kids for the Sunday school and prayed for her. And the whole family stood around the bed and saw and watched. The swelling just came down. Saw it visibly. And the legs went back to normal. <laughs> that family's nowhere in the Lord today, except by one of them. Only one came back to say thank you. I worked with a man, a college of mine, had an illness in his blood in hospital. And they couldn't find the trouble, and I was praying for them. And the Lord said, It's in the blood. Problems in the blood. It turned out to be leukemia. The Lord said, I said to me, Tell him to repent. I'll heal him. And he said, Repent, change his ways. <laughs> I went into recession, remission. I came back to work, enjoying life. And then I reminded him, I said, Lawrence, I said, there, 
You remember the rest of the word, you repent and change your ways. And know what he said? Well, he says, it's a bit late now. I've lived all my life like this. So why change now? He can't stick him back. And he's no longer with us. When Jesus reaches out, remember to give thanks. Jesus can't look upon your needs without responding. He's in the synagogue and there's a woman bent double. And Jesus heals her. He says, is this not a daughter of Abraham? Why should she be bound all these years? And loosed her. Out of his compassion. He was going into the town of Nain. And he meets a funeral procession. And he sees the grieving mother. He stops the profession. Raises the boy to life. How did he know that she was a widow? Doesn't tell us. How did you know that was her only son? Doesn't tell us. But he knew because he's a heart that cared. He looked, he saw, and he responded. Comes to the pool of Bethesda, and he sees a man who's been there. He says, Jesus knew he'd been there a long time. I imagine that Jesus has seen him as a boy going to the temple with parents every year. But it says he'd been there for 38 years. And Jesus says, do you want to be healed? He says, I can't get up. By the time I get up, I'm getting to the pool, it's too late. Others have been before me. And Jesus says, take up your bed and walk. And he also. A heart of compassion, not for spectacular popularity or growth, but a heart for the person. Jesus has a heart for the marginalized. Again, he shows his priority lies. Where his priority lies in the judgment day. When they come before him, he says, Lord, Lord, have we not done miracles in your name? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. I was hungry. And you didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger. You took me no end. And they said, when, Lord? When did we see you like this? As much as you've done it to the least of these. Isn't that what his heart is? As much as you've done to the least of these, you have done unto me. Here's a heart for the hungry. Here's a heart for the thirsty and the stranger. And his great prayer, the priestly prayer in John 17, he displays his heart. Father, I pray for them. 
that they might know you as I know you. They might always fall. Jesus has a heart for your salvation. This morning, you know, our desire is oh, to be like him. Oh, to be like him, we say. The Jesus in heaven is exactly the same as him that walked in Galilee. He desires that you might have a transformed heart, a new heart. He wants to give you a heart transplant. Ezekiel says, Lord, a new heart <laughs> will I give you. I'll take out the heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Well, believe in me. That simply means trust me. Put your faith in me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. I want to tell you, folks, we were testing you. Jesus is a better master than Satan. When I was a young man, I was going into sales at was a draftsman and decided, well, futurely elsewhere, and went to the wanted to join the sales team. And I was told all sorts of negative things. Oh, you'll never make it. You don't have the gift of the gab. You can't be a Christian to be a salesman. You've got to tell lies and all sorts of things. I went down to the head office for the induction and the training. I think it was a fortnight or three weeks, I can't remember. At the end of it, the sales manager says, this chap will never make it. He doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, and he doesn't go with women. <laughs> and then I think he's a religious nut. Came back up the road a wee bit in despair, and, a, and one of the lads in the, the, the team was a company rep, and he says, John, he says, if men can prosper <laughs> under Satan, Jesus is a better master. First year I was top salesman. I was asked to speak at the sales conference. The reasons for your success. I said to the sales manager, don't go with women, don't drink, and be a religious nut. But the reality is, it was the blessing of God. I was doing children's missions and campaigns. And I had to say to the Lord, Lord, you'll need to help me give to Caesar. But it says, strengthen me and give me the energy. The average salesman in the left industry sells maybe three elevators a month. When I was preaching, a week's mission was a fortnight, I was doing, I was getting an order a day. God's good. He's no man's debtor. I said to the sales manager, you better employ me as an evangelist. You get more orders. I've been a Christian for 64 years. And like I said, God, Jesus is a better master. Jesus is not a disappointment. And then I have married 60 years this month. And I've enjoyed the goodness of God. Our testimony is God is faithful in all things. You can trust him. And you know this. He has a heart for you.
He's a heart for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you'll never want for bread. No matter what state or need you're in right now, today, this morning, Jesus knows. He has a heart for you. He invites you. Come. All you that are weary, wanting rest. All you that are troubled and disturbed, my peace I give you. Those are a few scriptures. Romans 10, then believe in your heart. Yeah? Starts with the heart. He says, where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. Believe in your heart. I used to preach, you know, your Christianity is only as real as it is when you're alone in your own bedroom and you shut the door and there's nobody to perform to. During this lockdown, we've had to prove that, haven't we? How real has it been? Has it become more real? Has it become the distant landlord? Seek me and you'll find me. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Let us few verses, 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 9. It hasn't entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And Colossians says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Jesus says, I'm going to, to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I'd have told you. And I'll come again and receive you. Not only is he preparing a place for you, he's preparing you for the place. Open up your heart. Be wholeheartedly his. We're lamenting the fact that we maybe don't get a holiday this year again. You know, but holidays are funny, aren't they? I don't know what your preference is. You can have bed and breakfast. Allows you to do your own thing all day. Or you can have half board. It means you're back in the evening. Or you can have all inclusive. That's like a Christianity. We can have bed and breakfast and do our own thing. And we can have half board, half committed. And we can be all inclusive. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. Amen.